You've found episode six of Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, and your host, Nancy Steele, has three apologies to make. First, to Nicola Bola, our most generous guest. Perdonami ti prego, I made you late. Secondly, to the lovely lady who wants to spend three months away from her 7% flat tax town. Of course you do. My rant was really not directed at you. I want to clarify, it was more towards those seeking to abuse the intent of the 7% opportunity and the towns that it's meant for. And lastly, to all of you, someone, anyone with any tax knowledge could likely have done a much better job of keeping up with Nicolo and perhaps even squeezing him for more. But today, you're stuck with me. So pull out your pencils, take some notes, and enjoy this charming and brilliant Italian tax expert. Ciao! If expatriation and immigration are on your mind, you've looked at Italy and wondered, Is it possible? I did. In 2019, I was certain we could do it. In 2020, the world changed. And due to our reaction to it, our situation changed as well. I was no longer certain that Italy was within our reach. Plus, rumors about taxes and visas had me both confused and worried. Thanks to my favorite podcast, Retire There with Gil and Jean, and a bevy of generous immigrants who've gone before as well as a personality that tends to doggedly seek to turn lemons to limoncello, my dream was rekindled. I decided to get my questions answered directly from first-person sources already experiencing affordable Italy, living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring. Join me as we explore with expats and experts if a future in Italy could be on your horizon. Today's guest joins me to discuss the topic of Italian taxes. Nicolo Bola, Principal at his firm, AccountingBola.com, is a certified chartered accountant in Italy and the UK. His areas of expertise include Italian taxation for expats and businesses expanding into Italy, as well as immigration and visa advisory. If you are on social media groups relating to immigration to Italy, you already know his name. For the purpose of transparency, I must share that I have not yet worked with an Italian tax or immigration advisor and am not, therefore, making a personal recommendation, but I can tell you he's widely recognized and one of the most frequently quoted tax specialists in groups focusing on topics relevant to taxes. For today's purpose, we're going to keep the focus on mostly taxes and not much immigration. I was and am absolutely terrified to be talking with Nicolo today. Taking on the topic of Italian taxes feels horrible. However, while researching, I found two things that made me feel better about talking to this man of scary numbers. One, he lived in one of my favorite U.S. states. And two, he is quoted as having said, it's great to help non-Italians deal with nonsensical and at times farcical bureaucracy. Any accountant who can call what I may go through with Italian taxes ludicrous is someone I know I can relate to. He's apparently more than numbers. From the city of Parma, where he distinguished himself in high school as a hammer thrower when he was named the Italian champion in 2010, he then attended the University of Parma, completing his master's in accounting. After that, he made one of his very best life decisions. He moved to Alabama for his MBA. While he was at Troy University in Troy, Alabama, his junior season, he continued to throw both hammers and weights for the Bama Trojans and must have made Italians proud, winning the North Florida Invitation placing second at a Sunbelt Conference Championship, was a member of the Sunbelt All-Conference team, placed at regionals, held Sunbelt records, was an NCAA regional qualifier, and a member of the Sunbelt Academic Honor Roll. So you did do math in college. (laughs) Well, I had to. After moving back to Italy from the United States in 2013, he realized how much an accounting and tax firm was needed to help immigrants living in Italy comply with tax regulations. He launched Accounting Bola with a very simple yet utopian mission to make Italian taxes easy and manageable. He's written three books that I'm aware of and found on Amazon. Italian Taxes Made Easy, a simple and effective guide to make taxes affordable in Italy. The Italian Home Buyer's Guide, the definitive guide for English speakers, expats, and non-Italian residents to owning property in Italy. And How to Run Your Air Airbnb in Italy, the ultimate guide to manage your holiday lets in full compliance with Italian laws. Nicola, thank you so much for joining us here today to discuss Italian taxes. Thank you for having me, and I hope to be as clear enough in, in the topics, and if I get too technical, just let me know. So You will be great. Thank you. We're hungry for this information. Michael Scott in the U.S. TV show, I don't know if you're familiar with it, The Office? Not really. You're not? Okay. Well, he's hilarious. And he once asked his accountant, Oscar, to explain the end of the year budget to him, saying, why don't you explain this to me like I'm an eight-year-old? After Oscar explained the budget, Michael then said, explain this to me like I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Nicola, that's the next hour of your life. (laughs) Well, that's, I hope he just managed to understand it as a five-year-old, but 
Yeah, things can things in the tax world can get complicated, to be honest. Oh, yes. Um, please know that to use your time wisely, I'm going to present some information I found across the web and your website. But as I do, I'm that five-year-old, so please correct misinformation and clarify. Italy's taxes are among the highest in the EU. You're the guy who delivers the bad news. Um, with Italy's laundry list of potential taxes and an impressive list of potential tax solutions, when do you think someone moving to Italy should meet with you for the first time to evaluate strategies to reduce taxes and maybe even tax beneficial visa options. How early is too early? Uh, Italy is not, uh, it's a quite complicated jurisdiction for one main reason. Taxes tend to change every single year. So just like the United States or the UK, every year you have a budget law and this may have large impacts on um, the taxation you may suffer in the next year or the upcoming years. Uh, some stuff is just changed to be there for a while. Some stuff is changed to be there for one single year. I would advise to um, get in touch with a tax practitioner in Italy no earlier than one year before moving. Okay. So that's I, I get people saying, hey, I'm going to move in 2027, 2028 when I'll be retired. And I always say, well, I don't know what, what is going to happen in, during that time. So probably whenever we get closer to your planned moving date, that makes more sense. I so appreciate that because it's money well spent if we do it in the right timing. And let's hope that our time spent together today will help reduce the number of tax and visa train wrecks that come to you after too late, but yet not too early when things are going to change. Good. Nicola, could you start by explaining very briefly what a tax treaty is for those moving to Italy? Yes. So a tax treaty is an agreement between two jurisdictions. Not every country, uh, well, at least Italy, does not have a tax treaty in place with every non-Italian jurisdiction. By the way, for tax purposes, you always think that a territory of a nation, uh, of a country, uh, is included in whole, but this may be incorrect. So if you think about the UK, there's a tax treaty between the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and there's a different one. There's a tax information exchange treaty with Jersey. So it's important to understand in which jurisdiction your assets are located. So different double tax, double tax treaty apply. Now, the key thing is, this is a conventional law. So it's an agreement between two, it's a contract between two countries saying, hey, if that happens, we have to follow this path or the other. And this supersedes national law. So basically, two countries got together, signed a deal saying, hey, in case this things happen for our national slash residents, then we decide how to treat them accordingly, which is normally the international norm of I can do in your country, whatever you can do in mine. So it's important to understand is double tax treaty beats national tax laws. Okay, that's very clear. Thank you. I'd never thought about the complexities within a perceived region. For instance, if you think like U.S. and has Puerto Rico, Guam, those are sort of whatever happens for legal reasons and tax reasons may overlap. So there's one definition for tax purposes. There's one definition for immigration purposes. There's one definition uh, as a territory for immigration purposes or tax purposes. So that's what has to be agreed in the double tax treaty. So it has to be written there. That's quite interesting, to be honest. I bet. I bet. And great clarification for us. We're going to move on to the first topic then. And the first topic is EarPuff. We will cover other types of taxation in Italy in a few minutes. Correct me if any of this is wrong. EarPuff is the national income tax. The Agenzia della Entrata is basically the IRS of Italy? Correct. And contrary to many of your favorite Facebook experts, Italy does not render a 43% tax on all of anyone's income. I want to give a short definition of what IRPEF is and then let Nicolo tell us what kinds of income are taxed that way. So IRPEF is the National Italian Progressive tax table. Progressive tax means that anyone not on a special tax regime starts at the bottom of the ladder and their income is subject to each of the next higher rungs of the ladder until their income doesn't reach that next level or they're at the very tippy top of the ladder. So currently the progressive ladder steps in euros are 0 to 15,000 euros at 23%, 15,001 to 28,000 at 25%, 28,001 to 50,000 at 35% and 50,001 euros and above 
are taxed at 43%. I know that even the status of citizenship versus legal residency can change the way income will be handled tax-wise. The variables are huge, and I'm certain that it depends is likely going to be a big part of your vocabulary today. I've got a few earpuff clarifications for you to get the ball rolling. So I'm going to read one to you, and then and I'll say, is it yes, earpuff, no earpuff, or it depends? Yeah, it makes sense. I just wanted to make it like a disclaimer, a clarification over this. I mean, you mentioned the progressive brackets, and it's important to understand that in Italy, you always file separately. So the tax brackets apply to each individual. So if husband and wife make 50,000 each, the tax brackets are applied up to 50,000 each. So those are not combined. That's uh, an important thing to understand in our tax system. Fabulous clarification. Thank you for that. Okay, and we actually have a, a listener question a little bit later about that exact okay. issue. Okay. So for this exercise, let's assume a U.S. tax treaty, that is our biggest audience, and no special tax regime is applied. And that'll make better sense to listeners a little bit later. First one, non-citizen social security. Yes, earpuff, no earpuff, or it depends and explain it. Yes, earpuff. Okay, social security would be taxed by earpuff for a non-citizen. Citizen, dual citizen, with social security. Yes. A non-citizen true government pension not being paid by an insurance company or outsourced private organization. So again, it's a non-citizen true government pension. That's non-earproof. And then a dual citizen true government pension not being paid by an insurance company or outsourced private organization. Yes, earproof. Okay. A salaried income from an employer outside of Italy. That's yes, earpuff. You're amazing. An immigrant living and working remotely in Italy with income from outside of Italy. Well, here's a clarification if you're a U.S. citizen or not, because it's, it's a very complicated matter. And we've seen in the recent year, like a bunch of employer of records, a PEO, basically people south working and just getting your laptop working from Italy. Well, if you are a U.S. citizen, you are covered by the Italy-U.S. Social Security as well. So you pay taxes and Social Security. As a U.S. citizen, you can live in Italy, have your employment from Italy, and your Social Security paid in the U.S. Whilst if you're not a U.S. resident, you must pay Social Security to Italy. So okay. we, need, we need to divide those two topics. But for tax purposes, yes, if you are a resident of Italy, you're subject to the worldwide income and you're normally taxed on your employment income and self-employment income. Okay. That makes a little bit different if you have a fixed establishment in the U.S. In that case, Article 14 or 13, I don't recall it by heart, uh, triggers a condition that income created by the fixed establishment, for instance, if, you're, if you have your law practice, your law firm, accounting firm, uh, you're in digital market with a fixed uh, premises and office in the U.S. Well, in that case, it's non-taxable only for the part paid, well, generated in the U.S. Then it's non-taxable in Italy. You're amazing. Okay. okay. This may get repetitive for you, but you can like refer back to that and say, as we talked about, you know what I mean? Because um, oh, okay. I can't think and do this. I'll just keep okay. moving and then you'll just keep correcting and clarifying. Thank you. Okay withdrawals as income from IRAs and other retirement accounts. Yes, or PEF? No air PEF or a bit of explanation to it depends. Once again, it depends. So <laughs> Roth IRAs as they are after tax money, albeit being classified in the US as retirement income, in Italy they are classified as uh, financial income sources, meaning that you pay 26% flats so of substitute tax rate on IRPEF on capital gains, dividends, and interest. Now, IRA, the whole amount withdrawn should be taxable at IRPEF rates, so progressive bracket, like any other pension. However, there has been a recent tax office ruling saying that uh, complementary pension fund, so pension fund not administered by the Social Security Administration of the foreign country, shall be treated as financial income. Now, this is a ruling from the tax office. It is not the law. However, you can decide to opt for that treatment, given that this was 
a ruling provided by the tax office upon a taxpayer in Italy requested how to prove that. Okay. So generally, yes, IRPEF, but IRA is generally IRPEF, potentially 26% substitute tax, Roth IRA, 26% substitute tax, like every financial income. Okay. What other types of income would fall under taxation with the IRPEF table? Yeah, well, those are subsidy at 26%. Now, you can opt. So Italy has IRPEF and substitute tax rate. So basically they say, uh, and we forgot to mention one thing, the same taxable base for IRPEF then is subject to regional and municipal tax. We'll get to those. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew it would end up being complex there. Okay. Then going back <laughs> to your question is also if you have rental income, that's taxable at uh, regular April freight. Foreign earned interest income, this is taxable as either substitute tax or April freight, and you can actually pick that. Um, certain type of severance payment for past employments or, uh, well, financial income sources in general. And yeah, that's basically it. Okay. All right. So now some questions from our listeners and Facebook group members about what is income that will be taxed by IRPEF. So here's a scenario. A non-citizen with social security income that was earned while working only for the U.S. Navy and Department of Defense assume this person has zero private sector work history in their entire lifetime, only U.S. military and Department of Defense lifetime work history. Is this Social Security taxable with EARPEF even if he's never worked for a private company, or is it exempt because of a reciprocal tax agreement with the U.S.? Does anything change other than the larger income amount if I include that he also receives a military retirement as well as a VA disability payment? Yeah, in that event, none of those pensions are taxable. And because they're not tax taxable, they're not even reportable. So you just, because they are protected under the Italy-US double tax treaty. Should the taxpayer then acquire Italian citizenship, then those become taxable. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Does Italy have an income tax allowance per person, like before IRPEF is applied? No, Italy, well, had a no-tax area. Now they have a system of gross tax and deduction for certain, automatic deduction for certain incomes. So if you make 7,500 euros or less in pension, the deduction, the pension deduction offsets the tax payable. Therefore, the tax due is zero. But if you make 7,500 euros from your rental income, well, since there's no deduction, automatic deduction, that is taxable at 23% rate. So a no tax area means that any income source within that area is non-taxable. The Italian system provides automatic deduction for certain income sources, thus creating a sort of no tax area for that income source. So it's a slightly different concept. Right. Uh, next one. A listener who is preparing to move to Italy wants to know how distributions from a thrift savings plan will be taxed in Italy. These are apparently considered part of her U.S. federal employee retirement benefits. Well, I'm not very much familiar with the thrift uh, plan, and this may vary depending on uh, your type of employer, the time you, the length of time you contributed into the system, et cetera, et cetera. But long story short, if those were funded by a government or its subdivision, and they were basically accrued during the time you were working as a government service, then this goes back to the previous question. And if you're Italian resident, U.S. citizen, non-taxable. Good. Okay. They wanted to know, is rental income and IRPEF taxable income, or would we be talking about uh, rental income in a minute when we talk about special tax regimes? Yeah. So rental, foreign rental income is always taxable under IRPEF. National rental income you can pick if it's residential between uh, IRPEF or a substitute tax. Great. Okay. Second topic then, moving on, special tax regimes. I do want to clarify before we get started that some of the special tax regimes are considered substitutive, which means that by utilizing one, you would perhaps not receive deductions or other mechanisms that a regular tax situation would apply. This is an area that you would want to speak with Nicolo or some other tax specialist to determine before you move if you would benefit from a special tax regime. Let's list some of those special tax regimes that I'm aware of and clarify. Can you give me a very brief description of the following? Partita IVA, Regime Forfeitaria, and Regime Patriati. They're way over my head and I did not even want to try to tackle them. Sure, so just a clarification, a Partita IVA is a freelance trading number. 
So in, if you want to be a self-employed and operate uh, as a self-employed, you need to apply for a partita year, which is done online. Now, as a self-employed, you can then pick your preferred tax regime. So the, the regular tax regime, the ordinary one, basically like whenever you start, is the forfeitai regime. So whatever money you make and has a threshold of up to 85,000 euros in revenues, they calculate, they apply a 5% tax rate for the first five years on a certain percentage of your revenue, regardless of your costs. So if you make 80,000 euros and you are um, a computer science engineer, there's a coefficient set by the law of profitability. So 80,000 times 67%, then you pay 5% tax on that. Uh, it's different if you operate on the regime impatriati, which is uh, the new residence regime, which is revenue minus costs, then 70% or 90% is tax-free. Therefore, it reduces your tax base. So if your regular taxable income would be 100,000 euros and you live in Abruzzo, Naples, wherever, then your tax, only 10% of that is subject to tax. So your taxable income is 10,000. And then you apply the 23% external tax rate. The difference between the two is, well, who on earth would opt for the 23% versus the 5%? Well, the difference is as a substitute tax, you cannot claim any tax deduction, any foreign tax credit, or any other item to claim against tax liability. So it's a dry tax, but not a dry tax. It's uh, a tax rate that gross and net tax equal. So you need to basically calculate if you are in a position to claim tax deductible item and albeit paying a higher percentage, you end up to pay a lower amount. Okay. Okay. Over my head, but I'm sure that's going to help somebody greatly because yeah. that was very detailed and very good. Moving on to the next one, high net worth individuals flat tax. The description I found for who this would apply to would be if you have 250,000 annual salary or 5 million in assets, then you may qualify for 100,000 euro flat tax each year. It's apparently extremely successful, but as an affordable Italy group, I didn't really think we'd spend a lot of time here. Is the description of who might benefit from that though fairly accurate? 250,000 annual or 5 million in assets? Well, not really. It's 50 million in assets because uh, as a as a tax resident of Italy, well, you're referring to when is the break-even point when national taxes would offset 100K. So when is it beneficial? When 100K equals whatever amount of tax you pay on your income or your wealth. Uh, it's 50 million or 250, roughly speaking. Now, the caveat is income sources must be sourced from outside of Italy. So you need to make 250K of foreign income. If you are employed in Italy making 250K, you cannot benefit of that. That income is subject to Italian taxes only. All right. Here's a question about a different special tax regime. This person says, I also saw that the Cetolari Secca is a substitutive tax on rental properties with a flat tax around 20% on gross income, deductions not being allowed. When would somebody opt for that? Okay. So you can offer a Cetolari Secca exclusively on residential property let to private individuals. So you as a landlord need to have an apartment and to let it to a private person. So if you let it to a company, well, you cannot apply the Cedulare Seca. The Cedulare Seca is flat 21%, may be reduced to 10% upon certain conditions to be met. So there are certain, like normally large municipalities in Italy, they have certain council agreements that um, if the rent is lower than a certain amount, and this is based on a very Byzantine formula, like areas, number of rooms, if you have a garage, it's quite complicated, but they give you a tax incentive. So to uh, compress uh, or to reduce the growth in uh, rentals in populated areas. So in order, of course, I mean, sometimes it happens that re by reducing your rent of a certain amount, you can fit within the 10% rate. Therefore, your net income is higher, reducing the rent 
payable. So just to give an example, if you know the market rate is 800 euros and you pay 21%, well, you pay 160 in tax. So in the end, you have 640 euros on hand. Now, if you reduce that to 750 and you qualify for the 10%, well, then you have 675 euros net income. So you end up having a higher, more money in your pocket and reducing the rental paid by the tenant. So this is to avoid skyrocketing uh, rentals in populated areas. Wow. That just seems like it makes so much sense. Okay. Uh, well, kind of does, but then when you dig into the details on the property and how to calculate that, well, that's quite painful sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Every single municipality has a different way to calculate that. So um. <laughs> we're going to get to a little bit about that in just a few minutes. <laughs> All right. Now the ever popular 7% flat tax for pensioners. This is what um, people's hot ticket is. Most of the group's questions involve the 7% flat tax regime, which is, which is available in some regions due to depopulation of towns and in other regions due to specific seismic events. As cities can have sister cities, so our Facebook group kind of has a sharing relationship with another called All Things Italy 7% for Retirees. The admin and founder Bill Champ is preparing to move to Italy and has developed some amazing tools that are great for those with like interests. Our group shares those resources as we obviously have a common interest in flat tax regimes considering our name is Affordable Italy. I strongly recommend listeners join Bill's group and ours too, of course, to make use of his tech genius. Bill has links to the actual laws and lists. He's even developed a tool that can be used in conjunction with maps to be able to confirm that the property you're looking at is within the commune boundaries that you think it is. Is because if I had a dollar for every time I've seen someone post that they thought they were buying in a flat tax qualifying commune, but in fact found out that their property of choice is misrepresented in the actual commune that they're in doesn't really qualify. Well, I could probably buy pizza because it hasn't been a lot, but it does happen. So people can check out that free tool. His website is called lowtaxitaly.com with the same resources. He's not a professional tax guy. He doesn't charge anything for his tech genius. He's just a wannabe American expat like me who agrees that information should be for sharing. So it's helpful. I'm going to use one one of Bill's documents here to flesh out the requirements for the 7% flat tax regime, as well as Nicola's website, accountingbola.com. The regions where the 7% flat tax may be applied to any town whose population is less than 20,000, according to the original law, are Abruzzo, Basilicata, Calabria, Campania, Molise, Puglia, Sardinia, and Sicily. In 2019, the law also included specific small towns with populations of 3,000 or less in designated seismic zones as a way to revitalize towns damaged by devastating earthquakes in 2016. But in 2022, there were changes to the law that amended the 7% program, specifically named towns in designated seismic zones with a population not exceeding 20,000 inhabitants are now eligible for the program in regions formerly not included. Those three areas with specifically designated seismic towns are Umbria, Lazio, and Marque. Several visa and accounting specialists as well as moving specialists have published these seismic lists on their websites. I believe Bill has them on his as well. Have I summarized which towns and regions qualify? Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's clarify the criteria for the 7% flat tax regime and then get to group member questions. Recipients must move to Italy to a qualifying commune and establish tax residency there. If the applicant first moves to a commune which does not qualify, then the offer is void. Hence, Bill's mapping tool, <laughs> the recipient may not have been a tax resident of Italy for the previous five years. The recipient must be in receipt of a qualifying pension from a country outside of Italy. The country paying the pension must have an administrative cooperative agreement with Italy. Italian citizenship does not disqualify you. The recipient must pay all taxes and pay them on time or the offer will be void. The flat tax regime will last for 10 years. This is so often argued. It says nine years on many websites, but my understanding is it's nine years plus the first year that you live there. Is that correct? Yeah, that's how the year you apply and the following nine. Like, couldn't you just write 10? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Well, anyways, the, the other items I would like to add on your description. Yes. Uh, and sorry to just interrupt you like abruptly. No, it's wonderful. Like the requirement is not have been a resident of Italy in the previous five years and having been a resident of a country with which Italy has a cooperative agreement. It's not just the country that pays your pension, but it's the last five, well, the countries who've been residing in the last five years. So just to give you an example, 
If you receive a US pension, but in the last five years, you've been living in a country with which, even just one year, with which Italy doesn't have a double tax treaty in place, and it just popped in my mind like uh, Bhutan or Laos, well, then you're disqualified. Okay. Last five, previous five years, country with which Italy has a double tax treaty in place. That cooperative agreement. Okay, thank you. Now, listener questions about the 7% flat tax. This was the most popular area. How will dividends, incomes, interest brokerage, and investment accounts, and other things I'm not even thinking of, be managed? Is everything at 7% or are some of these areas exempt? What kinds of other tax situations occur when you qualify for 7% flat tax? Okay, so uh, this regime works i mean it's quite easy to understand basically they say if you get if you get a foreign pension then all your non-italian income sourced are taxed at seven percent so everything rental income private pensions brokerage accounts dividends capital gains whatever everything is payable at seven percent rate the most popular question that we had is there an income level or type in which you would suggest it not really be beneficial for an individual to utilize the 7% tax regime. In other words, it's obvious that the more income you have, the higher up the earpuff ladder you go. So in high income scenarios, I'd imagine there's a much greater benefit from the 7% tax strategy. But when your income resides along the lower rungs of the earpuff ladder, is there a range that you would say is just not that big of a savings? Because many people are trying to do back of the envelope calculations to determine if they should choose a region they love versus a region that is flat tax and they like a lot. Large or small savings, might definitely push them one way or the other. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell because then you need to combine the whole, um, the global income sources they earn. But I normally advise to, to do the 7%. And the basic reason is that it also simplifies your whole accounting. It simplifies your reporting. You don't have to report your foreign held assets. But basically, the only way that the 7% is not beneficial is if you have a lot of tax deduction you can harvest, and which normally happens in the event of, as a foreigner, if you just had large uh, home renovation expenses, so you can write it off against your gross tax. Okay. But normally, if you, may, if you make more than 10,000 euros in global income, well, flat tax, 7% flat tax makes more sense. Okay, that's excellent information. Thank you so much. This is one of those questions that will either confirm or deny what feels like flat tax fiction. I'm definitely going to irritate you for a couple minutes here. Maybe I have already, but this is huge for people. What's with the mystifying presence of six towns on annexes 1, 2, and 2-biz, which are over 20,000 in population? We've been told by a different specialist on a Facebook discussion that these higher population towns are disqualified because of the population limit already established for flat tax towns. And and they're saying that that limit applies even in the seismic designated annexes with specific towns being named. I guess the question is, does the presence of a town's name on these three annexes override the 20,000 inhabitant limit? Or as the list seems to suggest, are those higher population towns eligible as 7% flat tax towns? I mean, is it possible that those lists were actually developed for some other reason, maybe to designate areas of seismic relief or, or to obtain seismic relief from the government and that somebody just kind of slapped them on to the 7% percent flat tax regime, not realizing that there were six towns there over 20,000, or do they actually qualify? Well, so what happens is that list is the annex. So whenever there was the a bunch of earthquakes in central Italy, they created, I mean, they, they issued government decrees, right, to provide assistance to, to, to the local population, and they had to set the qualifying municipalities. Now, different seismic events occurred, so they kept adding uh, items. So they added like another annex for the next uh, seismic event, et cetera, et cetera. Now, these 7% originally, so the Article 24, Article 24 uh, dash there, basically defines cities that have the following characteristics, 20,000 inhabitants or less in a region from Abruzzo South mm -hmm. and municipalities. So it's an end adding on top of those municipalities listed in those old annexes. Those are year 29 to 2009, 2011, 12, etc. So even the, the municipalities in Umbria 
Well, they qualify regardless even if they have more than 20,000. And by the way, for the original 20,000 cities, if you are in a municipality that has less than 20,000 inhabitants and goes up, well, you're not disqualified from that. The newcomers are disqualified. So it's important to understand that. Yes, absolutely. You'd hate to be Mr. 20,001. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, and that, and that is calculated at January 1st. So if you move in 2024, well, the population has to be uh, calculated at January 1st, 2024. So January 1st, 2024 was 19,999. December 31st, 20,005. Well, you're good to go. Okay. ISTAT data, and listeners need to look for ISTAT in English if they're interested in flat tax to determine uh, data. That's always the January before. So right now, the published ISTAT data is for January 2022, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Don't mean to challenge you on the next couple of things, but listeners have asked through the last six months, actually. First, I want to name those towns so people know what we're talking about. In Umbria, these are the the towns that are over 20,000. Spoleto. In Marche, Ascoli Piceno, Macerata, and Fabriano. In Lazio, it's Rieta. Abruzzo has one over 20,000 uh, Teramo. So have you known or worked with anyone who has actually won the 7% flat tax situation in those towns? I understand the legal description that you gave, but do you know anybody who has? Is it a lack of applying if not, or is it a, they're possibly a roadblock? Well, yes, I have. Of course, I cannot tell you who. No, 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 but, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. This is important. Yeah, those, yeah, that people exist. Okay. So this is important for listeners to know because this is an argued point with other professionals. And I think think you are perhaps their guy to go talk to this about. <laughs> okay, so you would feel confident when I come to you and explain, you know, what I'm going to do with visa, what I'm going to do, hoping to do a 7% flat tax, you would feel comfortable counseling me, yes, go for Spoleto, as long as the law hasn't changed. Yes. And by the way, just a quick word when I, at the beginning when I said, well, in Italy, budget laws, they just change the whole tax code every year. They just introduce stuff, amend, blah, blah, blah. Well, any tax change is affected from the subsequent tax year. So if they issue a law, budget law today, this is effective from uh, the following tax year, unless you get a favorable treatment, which is effective as of now. So um, whatever, a, a common question we didn't touch at this stage, but every expert asked me about, hey, if I get a favorable treatment, 7%, can this be clawed back at any time? The answer is no. Once you're in, in the program, you can decide to exit voluntarily or it just expires. So, but they cannot change the program amendment and kick you out from that in year six. That is comforting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a common question, which given the tax system is complicated, this may also happen, but it doesn't happen. That is very comforting. All right. I think we've got finally some clarity on that, folks. And I think that's going to feel very good to a lot of people. If a citizen or a resident receives income for actively working while utilizing the 7% flat tax regime, will the money they earn be taxed via IRPEF and starting at Euro 1? Or is the amount of working income added to their existing passive income to determine the level of the IRPEF ladder they would be taxed at? Or in other words, to determine at what percentage to tax the earned income. Is all of their income lumped together cumulatively, regardless of how it is being taxed, to determine which rung of the ladder to tax the the earned income at? Does that make sense? Yes. Well, you cannot cherry pick income sources. You can cherry pick jurisdictions. So you can say, hey, I decide to pay 7% tax on all the income made in the US, but exclude, you know, my small pension made in Germany. For instance, if somebody walked in more, you have an apartment in Spain and you decide to unpick that jurisdiction for rental income. But you can decide to pick uh, jurisdictions where income arises, but not income sources arising within that country. Basically, whatever income from that comes from the country is either or taxable at 7%. Okay. Wow. Complex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think you answered the next question. All right. A couple has a question about how taxes are applied to married individuals when their income is actually different. It also falls under the 7% flat tax situation. So I thought I would put that here. The situation, married couple with passive 
joint UK income inclusive of one pension drawn by one of them and rental income earned and owned by both in the UK. As married couples do not file jointly in Italy, how is the 7% applied to the situation? Do they each pay 7% on half of the rental income? Or heaven forbid, are they each paying 7% on the whole rental income, thereby paying 14% overall? And how is the pension handled when only one is receiving it? In the event just one person uh, receives a pension, well, that for a foreign pension, uh, he or she is the only one that can qualify for this arrangement. Okay. So, uh, assuming his husband, so the husband can claim his whole pension plus 50% of the rental under the 7% scheme, then wife claims uh, has to pay taxes at progressive rate on rental income. Now, this is a good case. And by the way, once you move to Italy, you cannot hop into the 7% scheme once you receive a pension, but it's a good uh, it's a good exercise for the audience. So in this event, since a husband doesn't have, cannot claim any deduction, and for instance, they just change the boiler, uh, which allows a 65% or a 50% tax break uh, over 10 years, well, the, the bill has to be set, uh, paid by wife. In this case, wife can claim a percentage of her tax return for reducing Italian taxes paid on UK rental income. Wow, that is fabulous information. Thank you so much for that clarification. That went beyond what she was asking and super helpful. All right, is, is there a time constraint in which one must be present in their qualifying 7% commune or within Italy while enjoying the 7% flat tax regime? A member wants to spend at least three months of the year in her country of origin. So in order to claim that, you need to be a tax resident. Now, who is defined as a tax resident? Who, for the most part of the year, 183 days. By the way, we didn't disclose, we didn't uh, mention that the Italian tax is the same as the calendar year. So in Italy, the tax year runs from January to December. That's it. Okay. So if for the most part of the year, you're either registered as a resident in Italy, so you claim your registration at the council, or you have your domicile in Italy, which is your central vital interest, or you have your place of habitual abode. Now, it, interestingly enough, Italy is a country which works very well for paper residency. So if you're registered at the municipality in Italy and you spend zero time in Italy, the Italian tax office still deems you as a tax resident. So technically, you can be registered in Italy, have a place to live, and spend zero time there, and Italy still issues a tax residency certificate. I'm going to rant for a second on that. <laughs> I definitely yeah. see the benefit of that, and a lot of people would absolutely love that. But if someone applies for and obtains the 7% flat tax status, I think the idea is that they live and spend there in that town to help bring that dying town back to life. So sure, like the listener above, we're all going to want to travel and visit, but I, I'm not sure that that meets the intent of what it was for, and I do struggle with that because I don't want to see those towns die. And if people are benefiting from the 7% flat tax, I think it's a wonderful benefit and it would behoove them to spend. No, 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 it is. Yeah. Well, it is, but just to give an example, I mean, you have a family issue that you need to fly back to your home country for uh, whatever reason. Well, in that case, this is not, the fact that you didn't spend sufficient time in Italy uh, doesn't disqualify you from the scheme. Yeah, that's and that's like the real intent. Of course, you're going to travel. Of course, you're going to see family and enjoy your proximity to Europe. But I think every now and then we hear somebody who's really just looking to not pay taxes in Italy. And it's kind of like, I value, I value Italy. So I think there's a place for, for no, this. No, no, no. Well, I do the same. I'm not encouraging to do that. But there are certain general situations where you may be required not to be in Italy for a while. Yeah. And this doesn't disqualify you from that. That is wonderful on both sides. Thank you. All right. And I, I'm just to clarify that no deductions are applied when utilizing the 7% flat tax regime in the scenario we just clarified where there's a husband and a wife and she was able to use deductions because she's not receiving a pension. So she couldn't actually use the 7%, correct? That's correct. Okay. All right. At the very end of this, I'd really love to do a quick, simple scenario comparing an IRPEF. I mean, like it's super simple. Um, IRPEF tax uh, bill versus the 7% tax bill. And I think people will see how beneficial that is. All right. This brings us to the third topic, other taxes for individuals. The first one, wealth tax. Brokerage and investment holdings held outside of Italy are subject to a flat tax of 0.2%. Listeners, I did not say 2%. <laughs> the decimal is 0. No. 0.002. And can we never, ever say that? 
on social media again. It's like saying that everyone's income is taxed at 43% in Italy. It's not true and it steals dreams. So again, um, wealth tax is 0.2%. The decimal is 0.002. Huge difference. What are the types of wealth that would be taxed at that 0.002 rate? Yeah, so normally those are investment accounts, brokerage accounts, derivative contracts, um deposits uh not bank not checking or savings but bank deposits um some sort of artwork maybe subject to that and uh, registered uh, wealthy uh so for instance yachts and boats and that kind of stuff okay there's one disclaimer iras so private pension funds are non-taxable so you need to report the value no tax and bank accounts charge a flat 34 euros. Yes. So what types of investments and brokerage accounts are exempt from the wealth tax? Oh, none. Okay. You already covered Roth IRA, but to clarify again, is it taxable as worldwide wealth, although an American has already paid taxes on it? And how are dividends and interest treated from the Roth? Uh, well, I mean, this is not wealth tax, but whatever. You pay 26% tax in Italy on gross. The beauty of the US jurisdiction is that you can always resource income and claim Form 1116. So whatever tax you pay to Italy can be offset against your Italian taxes due. Now, this in this way, since substitute taxes do not allow for a foreign tax credit, you can still, as an American, benefit of a full tax credit, tax credit of Italian taxes against your US taxes. And then this is a super important exploration. A lot of us are really wondering what your thoughts are on this. A group member lives in Italy enjoying 7% flat tax status with the benefits of the U.S. Italian tax treaty and she shared with us what they believe is a possible solution and want to know what you think. She's been converting her IRAs to cash, keeping it invested of course. She chooses how much to convert every year so that her U.S. tax rate is acceptable. She says the amount she's taxed in Italy is just 7% so she's able to deduct that from her U.S. taxes because her 7% Italian tax taxes are lower than the U.S. burden is. Why does she go straight to cash? Well, number one, she's skipping IRA to Roth, since Roth will be treated the same as an IRA by Italian tax law when the 10 years are up. In other words, it'll be taxed again. Italy doesn't recognize that po post-tax contribution. Two, the U.S. tax rate will always be less than Italy's tax rate, except for while she's a 7%er. In other words, after the 10 years, it'll change. And she can control her U.S. rate by how much she withdraws. Three, at the end of 10 years, she'll be living primarily off of savings, and there will be no income tax on that. She'll still pay the wealth tax of 0.2%, but she would have to pay that no matter how it was held. And the only other income Italy will be able to tax is her social security and the capital gains on her portfolio. But what are your thoughts about this strategy? I mean, that, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, this strategy, we can call it like a rebase. So whenever you have, so the 7% works extremely well when you need to rebase a certain item. So you need to move it up the ladder and basically you have a latent capital gains, which may be wrapped in somewhere or not, and use that converted to cash with a favorable tax arrangement. So you end up paying less. Yes, that's a smart move. Okay, thank you so much for confirming that. A more aggressive approach, um, but also under the same topic, a listener wants to know if they move their Roth to margin accounts before they move to their 7% flat tax Italy, how would dividends from a margin account be taxed differently or the same? Oh, well, they are either 26% or 7% if you uh, move into a qualified municipality. So yeah, that's the same. Okay, an expat couple in the US where the husband is dual and the wife is not are moving in the future. They're weighing a 7% flat tax base versus a home in Tuscany. Without a substitutive tax application, will they pay wealth taxes on both the employer-funded and self-funded types of 403B and 401k accounts they own? We just discussed the 7% flat tax regime. Um, I'm assuming if they choose the 7% substitutive tax regime, they won't even need to report their 403B and 401k wealth, would they? Uh, well, if they live in the non seven percent area, they have to report that. But if they're in 7%, they wouldn't even have to report it. No, they? no, not reportable. Okay. So then capital gains is the next one. My research found that Italy has different percentages for different types of gains up to 26%. The determination of whether you can deduct capital gains taxes already paid to the country of origin will depend upon the tax treaty in place. So capital gains can arise from things like homes, property, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, vehicles, jewelry, furniture, art, collectibles. There can be differences in application of capital gains depending on whether you're holding an asset for short term, like less than a year or long term, greater than a year. And there can be examples 
exemptions, as you mentioned, Italian equity investments, real estate owned for more than five years, a real estate that was a primary residence for most of the owner's life or some such a thing. I saw that Italy's capital gains cannot exceed 26%. And if both countries want to bite out of it, there's evidently a cap. Uh, can you break capital gains down just a little bit on its own? Okay. So whenever we got, like in regards to real estate, it's important to define if the property is residential or non-residential. If it's residential and it was owned for five years or more, there is no tax. So if you own not even your primary residence, any residential home owned for nine years or more is not subject to Italian capital gains. Did you taxes. say nine or five? Five. Five. Okay. All right. Listener questions about capital gains and the treatment. If I hold an investment that pays me dividends, do I pay 26% on those dividends or does EARPEF apply? In addition, just to clarify, I would also be paying a percentage on the value of the base asset in addition to what taxes I'm paying on the on the dividend income. And I think they're talking about 26% on dividends, but trying to clarify if they'll pay worldwide wealth too. Uh, yes, they have to pay both. And, uh, well, they have to pay wealth tax is 0.2% and 26% tax. Perfect. You mentioned it already, but property tax is a whole different ball of wax there than it is here. Municipal tax called IMU or EMU is essentially Italy's version of what we call property tax in the U.S. Do I have that correct? That's correct. Yes, that's property tax. Okay. And the calculation for that is incredibly complex. It's probably sufficient to say that the cadastral value of a home is the tax value of a home, but it's not the same as the market value of a home. Different multipliers are used to determine an overall amount that's then used to determine taxable base for the calculation of the EMU which generally websites said it runs between 0 and 1.06% of the cadastral value for a primary residence and is usually higher for a second home. Some tax-free incentives occur in locations that want to attract real estate investors. Is this an annual tax? What did I mess, mess up or get wrong? EMU is the property tax you pay on residential, and, I mean, on dwellings, whether they're residential or non-residential. And you don't pay that on your primary home and you need to be registered in that home as a resident. So there's zero tax on that, but you pay um, the whatever the tax rate, which cannot exceed 1.06% of the formula you mentioned. So basically you need to find out what the cadastral value of your property is, run the formula, and then check with your local municipality the tax rates they provided. And then IV, IVIE is basically another type of property tax for those who own property outside of Italy. And the rate I found for that was about 0.76%. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, basically this reflects the EMU. So the EMU rate, the standard rate is 0.76%. Now, uh, they, and they allow the Comune, the municipality to spike it up, up to 1.06. So the same is applicable to foreign real estate. So if you own a home in the US, France, whatever, you need to pick as value the property tax value used in your jurisdiction, which may or may not reflect the market value of the property itself, calculate 0.76% and deduct any property tax paid offshore. All right. And then uh, regional taxes vary, it sounds like. I didn't find anything definitive, but it looks like regions can set theirs at 0.9% to 1.4%. Is that true? Yes, that depends on the region. Yes. Okay. But they, they have a boundary. So the rate is 0.8 and they can uh, increase or decrease it by 1%. So going effectively from 0 to 1.8. Okay. Um, and same thing applies for municipal taxes. Uh, so the additionale comunale, which is a 0.4, and they can add or reduce by 0.4. So basically, they give a rate, basically a suggested rate, and then municipalities can either spike it or reduce it. I'm not going to cover VAT because I think people are familiar with VAT and they can look that up. Um, inheritance tax, which I don't really want to cover in depth today either, but um, could you just tell us enough to know, should we die in Italy or not? Well, I mean, th there are two things to understand. So uh, the first one is the, the tax rate applicable. And the second one is the law applicable to your estate. So firstly, uh, if you are a resident of Italy, you pay taxes on your properties wherever they are held. So if you have a US bank account, that is included, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Italy is very uh, friendly for inheritance taxes because the max rate you pay is 8%. So for instance, if you have three children, you can pass 1 million each free of tax. 
Wow. So uh, now, as a U.S. citizen, it's and as a European Union citizen, you can decide to write a will to reflect that even if you die in Italy or you donate items in Italy, you are not subject to Italian uh, inheritance laws. And as a European citizen, you can also claim inheritance laws in a foreign jurisdiction. So German citizen living in Italy can say, hey, I want my estate to be regulated by inheritance taxes and laws of Germany. Same thing applies to an American citizen. So it's important to whenever you move your residency and your domicile, because in Italy they tend to, they're very similar for tax purposes, to update and adjust your will to reflect the fact that you move into Italy. So prior moving, get in touch with your uh, attorney and say, hey, I'm going to move to Italy. How does that change things? Uh, and the other thing is, if you inherit a state or donations, if somebody, some family members donates you stuff from located overseas, that is non-taxable because the deceased or the donor are not subject to Italian inheritance taxes. So if your rich uncle basically donates you 10 million uh, US dollars, well, you don't have to report that to Italy and you don't even pay taxes because your rich uncle is not an Italian tax resident. That is incredible. I can absolutely see people moving to Italy in anticipation of that. <laughs> wow. Well, well, you need to have a rich uncle first. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Not at all on the topic of taxes, but kind of on the topic of taxes. I just wanted to say, do know that there are two visas called the golden visas. One is for $250,000 investment and one is for a $500,000 investment. And those require investment in, I think, Italian businesses, and they would help a person to obtain a visa without having to go through everything that you do to get an ERV or passive income qualifications, etc. Do you have anything that you want to just shortly kind of say about those potential visas, which would obviously be a reason for somebody to see you a year before they're going to move to Italy to see what beneficial visa as well as tax regime they might want to look at? Yeah, so of course, if you do not have any EU passport, you cannot just move to Italy. You need to have a valid visa, which then you convert into residence permit. So the one you mentioned is if you invest into an Italian business, which can be your own, then uh, you need to invest half a million if it's a regular business or 250, 250 in an in innovative startup. And I think those visas last for a specific number of years, don't they? They don't, it's not like necessarily. Well, a... well, the, the visa, then the process is they grant you a visa for an, an normally one year. And then you move to Italy, apply for residence permit, which may be one year or two. And then upon living uh, five years, then you can convert that into the EU uh, residence permit where you can move freely in the whole European Union. But uh, ev everything starts from a visa application. Good. Let's quickly look at deductions. Um, the list that I found of potential deductions was surprisingly vague. Medical and dental expenses, rental or lease, and one side actually said this was for your own personal rent, not necessarily that I'm the landlord renting to somebody and deducting. Well, you, well, you don't deduct income sources. If you pay rent, you can deduct it. That's amazing. Okay. And then uh, private insurance, and I'm assuming that was for private health insurance? Yes. Pet expenses such as vet bills, mortgage interest on a primary home, home improvements, or possibly some specialty bonuses like energy. Yep. yep. Dependent relatives. I need to find that rich uncle. Education costs, including kindergarten and university, children's sports, pension yep. contributions, uh, charity donations, yep. also children's sports, and then reciprocal agreements for taxes paid to country of origin or foreign tax credits. What did I miss? I mean, the list is uh, a little bit larger, but more or less those are the most common ones. Some of them apply to, for instance, donation to political parties. Those are also deductible up to a certain level. Donation to certain, it's called art bonus. So if you invest into uh, art shows, uh, qualifying art shows, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wow. Donation to certain uh, charitable events involving the music i mean you name it but uh, and, but that's the thing that every year changes using the budget law all right we're to our last section i'm going to call this one unicorns and things that i need to make sure we covered a listener wants to know when it might be better to apply for an impatriate regime rather than the seven percent flat tax regime well those are two different concepts it's one you need to have a pension the other you need to be employed <laughs> or self-employed normally you are not employed 
if you receive a pension. So uh, it's it's not either. I mean, they're generally mutually exclusive. But the problem is that your income is sourced from outside if you work from Italy, but then you may have certain consideration that is considered within Italy. Therefore, is not doesn't qualify for the seven percent. So you want to opt for the new resident scheme, which is not in conflict with the seven percent. So you can both claim seven percent and new resident scheme. Oh, okay. There you go. Maybe this is what he was looking for. A member read that Italy has a rule that if you have more than the equivalent of 51,645 euros in foreign currency accounts or deposit accounts for over seven days, and then you exchange that for a different currency, it would trigger a capital gains tax due to having become a speculative activity. Should one instead be converting those accounts to only euros to avoid capital gains taxation when converting funds? Is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. To manage that, because it's not just a matter of matters, it's a matter of the time to speculate on that. And there's no definitive guidance, but it also depends on the number of transactions, et cetera, et cetera. This also applies to cryptocurrencies, which they have a higher volatility. But technically, yes, but it's, I mean, well, let's put it this way. If you make, if you have less than basically 51K, it's never speculative. If it's above, it becomes speculative if you do a speculation activity. So for instance, if you have half a million and then convert it to buy your home in Italy from dollars to euro, that's not a speculative event. But if you wait, if, if you trade back and forth, so in order to speculate, you need to have multiple actions at certain timing involving converting from and to. So- oh, okay. So it wasn't a unicorn, that's real, if the intent is there. Correct. Could you explain the 183 day, day rule? And then we have two questions to apply to that. So there's no 183 day rule, technically, like it's not a number, you don't count the number of days, but it's the number of days you, you, you have a certain uh, life, center of life interest, et cetera, et cetera, for a period of that or more. So you don't count the midnight you're off, but from the period you start until the end of the year. So this diary applies to the year one only. A listener moved to Italy with a visa on May 28th, 2023. They have to go back to US for six weeks from November 1st to mid-December so that by January 1st of 2024, they will have been living in Italy for about 175 days. So in this case, was their first year living in Italy not taxable as residents due to the number of days that they did not spend in Italy? Yeah, normally if you arrived after July 30, your tax residency. So your tax residency starts always on the nearest January 1st. So if you move up to July 1st, that's the January 1st you passed. If you move after, it's the January 1st ahead. If I'm planning on becoming an immigrant to Italy, when should I sell my U.S. home to avoid paying capital gains in Italy? Well, if you owned it for five years or longer, you don't, you don't have to worry. That's awesome. Okay. Now I just wanted to end with what we call a back of the envelope calculation. Cause as, as recent as two nights ago, I had a woman who lives in Italy, um, trying to apply just that flat percentage to her overall income when we were talking about taxes. And it's, it's a concept that I think most people aren't familiar with. So we're nearly there, Nicolo. If you could, while I read through this, tell me if I'm doing it correctly. And then we're going to take that number. It's super simple and compare it to what would have happened to that same person with 7%. Um, for this calculation at home, grab your copy of the IRPEF tax table, Google how to mathematically calculate progressive tax table. It's not a flat application. Simon is single and his US social security is 55,000 euros. He does not qualify for any substitutive tax regimes, or he didn't bother to book a consult with Nicola before he moved to Italy. So he maybe just doesn't know he could have. So in this case, Simon's overall tax value with IRPEF at 55,000, is actually 16,550 euros. Now we're going to take the same scenario with Simon and see what would it have looked like with 7% flat tax regime in play. 55,000 euros at 7% is 3,850 euros. I know this is much oversimplified. So his total burden in Italy would be 3,850 euros while living in Puglia overlooking the Adriatic from his hometown of less than 20,000 inhabitants. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Now, the consideration to make is also, does Simon pay more or less in the US? So if Simon pays 20K to the US, doesn't matter if he pays 15 or 3 to Italy. But if Simon pays 7K in Italy, well, he definitely is worse off by paying 15. So he needs to pay the difference in taxes. 
Okay. It died in Texas. All right. Do you have an American consultant that you partner with in order for someone to jointly accomplish estimates or tax prep services as a one-stop kind of scenario? Do you have that in place? Yes. We, yeah, we do have an agreement with accountancy St. Paul. Uh, who's run by Mark DeSaro, who lives in Rome. And we basically engage with Italy, U.S. taxes so we can work it out together. All right. Lastly, I want to pay taxes in Italy. I want to give you all my money. <laughs> all my tax money anyway. But times are changing with visas. Since February, we have seen some really disheartening changes for people like me. What do I mean? People like me, people of average uh, retirement income from the US who with last year's and the previous year's uh, published minimums would have been able to make it when both of us are pulling social security and we have a small pension. Um, since February, we're seeing that LA was the first to come clean and honest and publish their minimums, which included the word each instead of the usual 31,000 euros and an additional 20% for the spouse, they published each. They also published that they were using a conversion rate of 1.3. Between July 31st and August 3rd of this year, they pulled that down. That information is no longer on the website as of August 3rd. Um, that leaves just two of the U.S. consulates actually having any printed information on minimums. And both of them use the 31,000 euro number. They do not say each, but they don't mention what it would look like for the second person. Nicola, this is really disheartening because 1.3 conversion is a hefty conversion. And, yep. and they're looking for worst case scenario, and I understand that. But each, that tiny little four-letter word could actually steal our dreams. I actually have an email um, from the London consulate stating that they are definitely increasing their minimums. What would you What would you say to people like us? Well, I mean, we cannot make the rules and we have to abide to. That's, I mean, you need to find other alternative options, which may be the investor visa, the repofis visa, et cetera. I mean, you can always work around on, I mean, taxes and not work around in a bad way, but just, optimize whatever the law allows you to so um yeah if they change the rules you have to basically play by the rules so definitely um, that that's how the compliance world works yes but we're looking i guess for a little hope from you and and that um, perhaps there are ways that we could move money around and have you heard or seen the memo that supposedly went from rome to all the consulates globally is what um, one attorney apparently was interviewed as the reporting that yeah but until i mean until this is not written into a law that's it i couldn't care less what matters is the law period oh i love you <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's how, that's how you, you work with that. I mean, they could write a memo, fine, non-binding. I love so. you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, from the bottom of this five-year-old's heart, thank you so much for throwing yeah. all this heavy stuff at us today, Nicola. Yeah. You have just been wonderful. And again, I hope many people find you and aren't the train wrecks that they might have been <laughs> had they waited. Thank you so much. Grazie mille. Thank you for having me. Talk soon. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us and subscribe for more. We will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and eventually Italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, Italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin-chin! <laughs>